When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our horror celebration with a discussion about Insidious. And I'm also excited because we are going to be talking about The Conjuring next. So it's kind of like a Patrick Wilson week. Um, and also, you know, the next episode, I get to rave about Vera Farmiga. So you've been warned because, you know, you had to deal with that with Bates Motel. It's going to be even worse. No, it won't be worse, actually. Uh, but before I have my panelists introduce themselves, just a quick housekeeping note that we are available on Patreon and we are accepting support there for as little as $3 all the way up to 15 And basically those are called general admission, silver, and then gold pass. So think of it like you're going to a convention. And by the time this drops, hopefully, we have a little funny, little amusing little thing. Sasha is laughing. Because when we recorded our Poltergeist episode, <laughs> we had so many tangents. We had a tangent before we recorded that's going to be on this too. And then we had a tangent when we were recording and then a long tangent when we were trying to close out. <laughs> so it's going to be a little bit fun behind the scenes. Some of the tangent will probably make some people very angry at me and Susie. <laughs> but I don't care. Uh <laughs> You have to be honest sometimes about your feelings about certain characters and certain actors. So there. So the only way you'll be able to hear that all is if you become a Patreon supporter. And then also really soon, we are going to have a special Lucifer episode since Lucifer is one of our most popular episodes. It got dethroned recently, which shocked me that it got dethroned by true crime podcast episode. I think that's just because of the Zodiac thing happening. I think it just kind of coincided with that. Because I was absolutely in shock that that was the number one. Not that it's not a good episode. I just was surprised. So on that special episode, we are going to have Judy on there. So Judy, I'm so happy to have you on here. Judy left us and moved away. And we have missed her so much. But it's so. But I'm so glad I have this that I can still see her. So Judy, what are you into right now? We just recently discovered Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV. And if you haven't watched it yet, if you like that um, feel good, heartwarming, think like Parks and Rec vibe, mm -hmm. uh, go watch it. Just go watch it. It's so good. There's only two seasons, so it's pretty short. But the, the premise is this um, American football 
coach, I guess he is, gets hired by a soccer team in England to, to coach soccer, which he knows nothing about, but he knows people and he's, he's a team builder and he's just the most positive, kind, thoughtful, good person. And you just absolutely can't help but root for him and the entire cast of characters. So I am way into Ted Lasso right now. Everybody go watch it. It's, it's just, it, it'll make you feel so good after every episode. (laughs) That's what I, that's what I've heard. And Bex from Big Reputation podcast, who was on our Superstore episode and is going to be returning uh, really soon for our Us episode. She (laughs) tagged me on Twitter, tagged the podcast account and said, I have to get you to cover this show on your podcast. I'll be on. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll put you on it too then. And I'm like, well, I can't do it this year. It's I'm overbooked this year. I've told everybody no more requests because I've been getting a lot of requests for shows. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Like Squid Game and and Midnight Mass and all these things. And I'm like, uh, too much, too much. (laughs) We'll have to figure out when season three is coming out, you know, maybe coincide it with season three. That's a good idea. Yeah, because I did put it on for 2022. So we will be talking about it. So look forward to that one. And Judy and Bex will definitely be on that one. And I'm sure that'll probably fill up really quickly is my guess. And get that, Bex. And then Melissa, who hasn't been on for a long time, for like over a year, you were on that true crime podcast episode. And I think you were one of the ones that said you had never seen Serial, right? No, I still I think, have not. <laughs> or watched it. Not me, listened to it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember Meg and I were just, I, I think even Sasha hadn't listened to it. I mean, it was like. Meg and I were the only ones on that that had listened to it, and we were both just flabbergasted. But anyway, so what are you into right now, Melissa? Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of The Circle on Netflix, but mm-hmm. I'm sort of into that right now. I watch it with my friend. like She puts it on her computer, and she shares her screen. So I'm watching it. We just started season three. But it's, it's interesting. They have a really big twist this, this season in like the first couple episodes, and I was not thrilled about it, but I'm really into it. <laughs> yeah, I, that's been recommended on here before as like good escapist fare is what I've been told. I haven't watched it, but that's what I think the last person that recommended. I'm trying to remember who that was. That wasn't you, Sasha, was it? It was you? Okay. Yeah, it was my, uh, if you need something brainless to watch, watch That's The right. Circle. Because I got, season one, I got overly invested in them. Because I was like, I need something stupid. And then I was watching it and I was totally like, I'm in it for these people. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to get, like, super sucked into it. Yeah. Even though, like, I, I feel like it's, like, so, it's, the concept is, like, really stupid to me. But it's just so easy. It's one of those shows where you're just, like, this is really dumb, but I'm so invested in these people, and I need to see what's happening. They stuck you in so fast, so <laughs> it's a yeah. good like background, you know, like you're cooking dinner or you're doing something else, and you need something in the background because you don't really have to like pay attention and yeah. watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, but what are you into, Sasha? Um, so it's spooky season, so I'm sticking with all horror, but I wanted to test my theory that I'm broken. Um, and I have confirmed that I am broken because I watched, uh, Host on Shudder, which is apparently the scariest movie. It dethroned 
Sinister? Is that the other one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, I was trying to remember the name of that, and I was typing it in to search for it, and all that came to mind was Slither, which apparently is a horror comedy. That movie is awesome. That movie. And I was like, that is not what I was looking for. So, anyways, I watched The Host on Shudder. It's short. It's less than an hour. Mm -hmm. And it was terrible. Uh, not the scariest movie ever. I was completely bored. I'm pretty sure I said, oh, for fuck's sake, like 20, 30 times. I actually laughed out loud at one point and was just going, I can't, what is happening? Why? But I really, I don't know if I'm broken or I just, jump scares are not scary. Like, it's not scare. It's a startle. There's totally different things. I don't, I'm not a jump scare person and I don't deal well with found footage, shaky cam crap. And this is done over zoom and there's people are walking around with their computer. So it's shaky cam. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm over you. I can't take you seriously. I'm done. So yeah, it was terrible. So I am broken because the scariest movie ever is stupid. Have you, but so you haven't watched Sinister? No, because it's not streaming anywhere that I can access it right now. Well, I'll be curious if you watch Sinister, what you think of Sinister. Yeah, because I think Sinister is terrifying, personally. Judy, Melissa, have you seen Sinister? Yeah, it's my friends showed showed it to me. I was personally scared. Um, I haven't. I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) (laughs) But now I want to watch The Host because I love found footage movies. So (laughs) So you'll probably love it then, see? (laughs) You probably will love it. And you will probably message me and go, Sasha, what is wrong with you? Why were you not scared? That was terrifying. I fully expect that the rest of the world is going to be like, that was the scariest thing I've ever seen. And I just, I couldn't. Okay. Well, what I'm into is actually not scary. Uh, Continuing my Finn Whitrock binge, Jen, my podcast brain twin, said, Aaron, you need to stop watching American Horror Story for a second. And we'll watch something else with Finn Whitrock in it. So we watched and we live tweeted the movie Long Weekend, which is on Stars. And I really liked this movie. I mean, and Jen is not a rom-com person. And she was like, that movie was really good. There's twists in it. And the last one you kind of don't see coming. And he's just, he's a really, really good actor. I know I talk a lot about his hair and how gorgeous it is. And how gorgeous he is. But he is actually a really good actor. He went to Juilliard. I mean, he's like, you know, he's (laughs) he has chops. So I recommend that one if you're looking for something that's not scary or if you want to take a break from horror. Okay, so let's get into Insidious. So I want to know, Judy, what were your first impressions of the film? Well, my first impression is it felt very reminiscent of Poltergeist. And I love Poltergeist. Um, It scared me when I was little and it's always been a favorite scary movie of mine. And um, so when this one came out, I just, I saw so, so many similarities, you know, the other realm, you know, creatures or ghosts and think spirits in this other realm are attached to or interested in the creepy kid and the psychic comes and save the family. So there's a lot of, to me, there was a lot of similarities. So Initially, I guess it felt a little bit nostalgic, um, mm-hmm. so I really liked it for that reason. I'm not—I know most uh, most of everybody that listens to this is like huge horror everything from you know slashers to just horror up and down the thing. And I'm mostly a 
either psychological horror, you know, like Sixth Sense kind mm -hmm. of stuff or paranormal stuff. Um, but other than that, like I'm not usually a big, like tons of other horror. So this one was just right up my alley with the paranormal piece. And I love things that give you that tingle up your spine moments. Mm -hmm. And I think this had several of them. I'm not a huge fan like Sasha of the, of the jump scares. Like I, I like the, I like the anticipation when you're sitting there, like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that part. But I'm not crazy about things jumping out in front of me. Um, although this had a couple of good ones that, you know, gave me those, those chills or the goosebumps, you know, like the creepy kid running behind, uh, the mother when she's trying to figure out what's going on with the baby monitor and the whole thing with the baby monitor. Oh my gosh. As a mother, that, that one just freaked me out, creeped me out. And, uh, uh the ghost kid and that, uh, the ghost lady who, you know, when we're, you're not, we're not sure, is mm -hmm. she like possessing the husband? Is she, is it all in the husband? Like, you know, when we're not sure what's going on, that's just, it just, creepy and suspenseful and so that's that's what i love in a scary movie so that's my first impressions of this movie were it was probably one of the better ones that i've watched maybe even since poltergeist i agree yeah okay and melissa i know first off i know that you are a huge patrick wilson fan so i'm sure that's part of your enjoyment of this and The Conjuring, yeah. which you're going to be on that one, too. But what were your first impressions of the film? I thought it was really creepy. I don't know. My I watched it, like, I don't know, probably when it first came out. And then I just recently, maybe a few months ago, watched it with my friends. And we watched it, like, in the dark. Because I normally watch these movies, like, with a light on. <laughs> so it's, like, a little less creepy. Uh -huh. But... They like turn the lights off or close the curtains and like it so it gave it it made it more scary. Especially like the jump scares I always get that I always jump. I'm just that type of person, even if I've seen the movie before, I will still jump because it's just like they always have like the noise and the music and it's just like I know it's coming because I've seen the movie before, but I still I still jump. I'm, I'm just like a jumpy person. I get easily scared. So I usually don't like movies with a lot of jump scares, but I mean, it's Patrick Wilson. So I had to like sort of <laughs> suffer for, for, for that. But yeah, no, it was like, it, it sort of had like all the stereotypical, like one of the spouses doesn't believe. And then like, then it, they come around and, you know, like, you know, obviously there's psychics and, culture dice and all these things and it's just like you know a stereotypical scary movie thing mm -hmm. but you know if you're in a horror watching a horror movie they kind of all follow the same sort of outline but yeah I mean I do see um what Judy was saying about the sort of a little bit of parallel between this movie and Poltergeist I never thought about that before I, I tend to not think about things like until somebody says it I'm like oh yeah that's true I've never thought about that I have to be honest like surface level I was just like Patrick Wilson is in this so I have to watch it because I saw the conjuring and I was like I have to see it <laughs> so I mean I don't know I guess maybe that makes me a little like 
I don't know what the word is, but it makes you like, a fan of Patrick Wilson. I understand. I, I hey, I've been watching everything that Finn Whitrock does because it's Finn Whitrock. So I understand. We get on those kicks. You're a fan girl, so it's like nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, embrace that, Patrick Wilson. <laughs> I, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you insist, like, yes, I will. I will embrace him. If you let me embrace him. <laughs> And now I know Sasha. I know you like this movie, but I think you have a little bit different first impression of the movie. I know I'm gonna be the bad guy. So no, I, I didn't watch this until what did I watch this? Like six months ago, yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like it's the first time I've seen any of these, the Insidious or Conjuring. Like they just weren't. These are not my cup of tea movies. I was like, I'm just, that's not a universe that I want to get lost in. And Erin is very persuasive in her. You really need to watch this. <laughs> you know, you you should really watch this. You know, you, you you should watch it. I think you would enjoy it. Just watch it. So I caved. I watched. Um, not scary movies, by the way. Not scary movies. I know Melissa's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I told you I'm broken. I prefaced this entire episode with Sasha is broken. Um, you must be broken. There's no I, way this is not a scary movie. It's not scary. I know I'm broken. It's fine. I I will own my broken. So today I was thinking about it and going kind of back through it and reading through some different things. And the film is fine. It's not a bad movie. It's not, you know, I didn't fast forward it. I didn't like hate it. It's just not, it's just not my, not my jam. Um, but it, it's a totally fine movie. And the concept of the movie is kind of a cool concept. So I like where they were going with it, how it was executed, meh, but I like the concept. Also, yeah. like being able to leave your body. Yeah, like the I whole, what that's called. Um, so it's the whole idea of projection. astral projection yeah. Yeah. versus possession. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, that, there's not a lot of movies about astral projection. So yeah, right. Kind of a neat thing. Yeah. So I like the concept of it and what is happening with the little boy and the fact that he is astral projecting and leaving his body. Like that whole concept is super cool and I like it. I just, I don't know. It didn't do it. I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> I mean, it's good that we have different different yeah. views on you. You're wrong, but <laughs> I know. I I fully embrace that I'm wrong and that I am freaking broken. Well, you know, I wonder if it is because you've been watching horror movies kind of like I have for my whole for your whole life. Yeah. And for me, what's funny is the older I've gotten, I get scared a lot easier than I used to, actually. And so I and I don't know if maybe the opposite happened to you. Like you've seen I think so the, many. Yeah, I think the opposite happened. Um, I've, I think also I read a lot of scholarly work on fear and um, like shock and, um, you know, like why people are attracted to horror movies, why they like uh, haunted houses, like the attractions of, you know, going to a haunted house and having the haunt actors startle you and scare you and come out and like all of the Halloweeny typical scare stuff I've read a lot about and 
so I kind of know how the brain chemistry works. And I think that kind of, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I looked behind the curtain a little too yeah. long mm -hmm. and I saw the wizard and went, oh, well, you're just a man in a funny hat. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it is just because of my, my background and psych that it's like, meh. But I did, I would agree that the older I've gotten, the less scared I get. Like I watched these movies home alone in a ground level floor with a window behind me in the dark and was fine. I was like, okay, whatever. Like cats knocking stuff over upstairs. And I'm like, oh, yep, that's the cat. All right, cool. Walk down to the basement to flip the laundry. Like nothing. I was fine. I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I just, I just recently moved into a hundred year old house. I mean, you can see like all this old wood. The house looks like the first house that they lived in. And I was still able to go to sleep and everything. I mean, when my nephew walked into my house, the very first thing he said is, oh, this place is haunted. Because <laughs> it does have that hundred year old yeah. house look and feel. <laughs> but I was still able to go to sleep, turn off the lights. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And funny. I wonder, Aaron, if it is like the idea. So like the ghost, the haunting stuff doesn't freak me out. I will not. I refuse to watch it. I won't watch the, the new clowns. it. I won't because watch the, the second one because of the clowns. Mm -hmm. Because the first it and Pennywise terrified me to the point that I won't do anything with clowns. Like that. I yeah. just won't do it. So like, there are things that are scary. It's just not this set of movies yeah yeah no that i mean that makes sense like there are certain genres of horror that don't scare me as much or certain like i mean like i've said before i think jaws is incredibly boring and that movie terrifies some people i think it's one of the most boring movies ever made and yeah oh good yeah. yay thank you judy yeah, i don't like it at all <laughs> oh, thank you because i said that the first time i said it i got like glares from people because <laughs> i know that's like the be all end all for a lot of people is that movie but i'm just like okay whatever <laughs> i mean i root for jaws like i said a hundred times but okay, <laughs> it's not his you fault. have to not his fault well, I love this movie. I I love, love, love this movie. I, I like The Conjuring a little bit more. And you'll hear about that the next episode. But I think this movie is so well done. And it's funny because I hadn't thought about the poltergeist thing. And I'm wondering if there might have been some subconscious part of myself that that saw that in there because we just did our poltergeist episode. And like I said, that's the very first horror movie I ever saw. So poltergeist holds a very special place for me because of that. So it could be that. I just think it was done so well. I think all the performances are really good. I think James Wan is a very, very, very good filmmaker. I think he's a very good horror filmmaker. And I know for him, it was really important for him to step out of the Saw universe because he started Saw and he has been blamed for starting torture porn, which was not at all what his intention was when he made Saw. Like, he really was like, no, I'm not trying to do that. And so he hated that. So a lot of the reason he made this movie and The Conjuring uh, was to kind of get away from that, from being pigeonholed as that. And I think this movie was a great way to do that because it's still, in my opinion, very terrifying. <laughs> but I understand. <laughs> Sorry, Sasha. Every time you say it, can you just say, 
Sasha's broken. This movie is terrifying. <laughs> like that's you can retitle this. Sasha's broken. <laughs> and get that like uh kind of creepy feeling as yeah. the suspense. Even the suspense doesn't no reaction. Okay. You're broken. <laughs> yes. Wait, so you were scared. The woman is creepy. What the about the demon black? thing? When they show his face behind yeah. him? Like, you're not, like, that's scary? Yeah, like, that's a little jump back. It's creepy. It's not, not even like... tiptoe through the tulips? That doesn't okay, scary. That... Oh, that is, like, the creepy part of the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that song, not okay. Yeah, that is the There's things. so creepy. Just the movie in general is, like, not. Okay. I'm broken. You could just, every time. Sasha's broken and wrong. This movie is terrifying. Continue. And that'll happen <laughs> in the next episode, too. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I just think it's I, that tiptoe through the tulips, that that whole scene is yeah. one of the scariest scenes I have seen in a supernatural movie. Uh, just really terrifying. And I think what's also scary about this movie is watching, um, and we'll get to, because I think this movie's dealing a lot with trauma and PTSD. And we'll get to that. But I think it's really sad and scary to watch this mother who is having to deal with all of this while her husband, because of his own past trauma that he hasn't acknowledged, doesn't know about, is completely abandoning her. And she's having to deal with all of this by herself. At least he listened to her and they moved. That's the one. And another thing I love about this movie is it yes. abandons yes. that trope where the stupid family stays in the house and they actually leave <laughs> and then it comes with them. So it's exactly the people. Bingo. That's why it's so good. Because <laughs> I remember when I saw it, I was like, with the 20 minutes in and they're gone. I'm like, okay, something else is going to happen. They actually moved. <laughs> yeah, I know. They actually moved. And they moved to a house that wasn't as creepy as the first one, as far as like, you know, horror movie houses go to. Yeah. Go as, excuse me. But Judy's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not Judy's house. I was like trying not to say it would be like the house that Judy is in. <laughs> Or houses I lived in when uh. <laughs> were haunted. But yeah, and, and from a personal standpoint, you know, anything de dealing with hauntings and dealing with spirits and stuff, I can be picky about, even though it's one of my favorite genres because of my own personal experiences. But I think this one was a lot more terrifying in a different kind of way. Not terrifying in the way that like The Exorcist, which I can't watch The Exorcist. Um, or not even, you know, sort of in the poltergeist way, but even more intense than that. Like there's this intensity to it and you never feel like you're going to be safe and secure. And I think it's got one of the best endings. I think the ending is perfect, honestly, <laughs> because you're not kind of expecting it. And I think the way it's done, by the way, we're spoiling this whole movie if you haven't already picked up on that, but the way it's done and the way Patrick Wilson plays that, the switch there. It's pretty good. It's it's mm -hmm. pretty darn terrifying. And you're not sure what's going to happen. And if we have time, we'll, I'll ask if people want to comment on the sequels. I haven't seen all the sequels. There's another one coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like in a couple months or something. I don't know. But yeah. But what I, one thing that I think probably my favorite part of this movie in the beginning, honestly, is the title sequence, the opening credit sequence, which I think is... Honestly, the best credit sequence I have ever seen in a movie. Definitely a horror movie. So, Judy, did you love the title sequence as much as me? Yeah, like it It really sets the tone just brilliantly. 
you know, at first you get like that single sound, I guess it's a violin, right? You got that mm-hmm. single just kind of being held. It's slow and suspenseful and, and sinister. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got that, blah, you know, that blast of, <laughs> and you see the, the title in nothing but red and black and the way it kind of glows, it all, it made me think it was hell, right? Like yeah. it just, it just felt like hell. And then, then as it continues, you know, that with that black and white sequence where it like the camera slowly pans onto something that's seemingly just this normal innocuous object that morphs into something creepy. You know, it's a lamp that's just sitting still and then all of a sudden it starts rocking or a, ch- a table and then a chair starts moving. But it really, I think, sets the expectation with the audience that you can't trust anything. Everything is uh, possibly evil, possibly sinister, possibly bad news. And it's also that, uh, I don't know, that it, like I said, it just sets, it sets that expectation that you can't trust, you can't mm-hmm. trust anything. Oh, and it also tells the audience like t- certain things to watch for in the movie. So, you know, it kind of like pay attention for this, I don't know, this clock or this figure or whatever. So it's kind of like a little bit of a preview. Yeah. I just thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa. Oh, I agree. Uh, I think it's, it does what a lot of other horror movies try to do, but not so successfully. Mm-hmm. I think it was just the right amount of time because I feel like sometimes you're watching a horror movie and they try to do the setup, but it just goes on too long and I'm just like okay when's the movie actually gonna start like when you're actually gonna get into it but I feel like it was just a perfect amount of time for you to be like well now I'm already like on (laughs) on edge because this music is making me creeped out and like there was this loud noise and then there's this like scary text on the screen (laughs) so it's like you're already like like okay now what so even just from the title so I think it it was like successful in like getting you interested in the movie mm-hmm. because for me I feel like if the title sequence goes too long then I'm just like annoyed I'm like just can we just start yeah. the movie already like I can only see people's names so so much so for so long like <laughs> but I think it just it did its job it like got you the anticipation going and then you're and then the movie started. So I think it, I think it was really good. I, I like it. I really just like the visuals of it too. Yeah. As like an art, as like an artistic person, I just really like the visuals of it. Mm-hmm. Sasha. Um, I agree with everything that has been said. Like the, I like that it was black and white with looking at the different parts of the rooms and things. No house should have grandfather clocks. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> You know, if any house has a grandfather clock, that some hijinks are up, like <laughs> call the Scooby gang, something is going down. I don't know what it is about grandfather clocks, but they should not be in homes. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, so I do, I like, like Melissa said, like the artistic, the visual of that black and white. Like Judy said, it, it cued in on different things to watch for. And that when it comes up with Insidious, the red on black, is it's Mm -hmm. very powerful as a like bam here you go and you're like oh all right we're in for something 
Yeah. And then Sasha's broken and it's nothing. <laughs> but everybody else is like, damn. You know, the other cool thing, I think, I think it sets us up to think that this is a haunted house. Yes. And so yes. that, you know, so we're really surprised mm -hmm. yeah. when, when it's not. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it shows you all the aspects of a house and much like poltergeist, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to show you different elements, you know, because there's one of the scenes is the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And then the there's chair moving, yeah. Yeah. So it all goes back to your poltergeist theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it subverts expectations, I think, because you are expecting it to be one thing and then it just quickly switches. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I think it's the best title sequence ever. And I'm not, I mean, I honestly believe that. I think, I remember when I seeing it in the theater, is something special, even more special than watching it on TV. I don't, I don't know if Judy and Melissa got to see it in the theater, but seeing it on the big screen and seeing that insidious pop up, seeing the title card, that was like pretty like, whoa, okay, we're in. That was a bit intense there. at that large of a scale. Yeah, it was. That was even more intense with the music and with the score. And it's almost like it's almost like it's even that's why I love your description of it being like reminding you of hell, Judy, because it's almost like it's on fire. <laughs> that glow almost feels like it's that like that hellfire. So yeah. you know you're in for something intense and something that even though it's reminding you right away of a haunted house story, something that might be a little bit different than the typical haunted house story that you're going to get. So that's another reason I, I appreciated appreciated it a lot. Okay, so I want to talk about um, the performances. And I know that Melissa will definitely be raving about one of these. <laughs> um, but... I wonder who she's going to talk about. <laughs> I have no idea. Definitely the little the boy, son. right? Definitely the son. Definitely <laughs> the little boy. So Judy... The bride. The bride, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So Judy, the little ghost boy. <laughs> what do you think of the performances? Uh, I, yeah, I liked I liked the performances. Um, I thought that the the actress who played I have the, the names over here. <laughs> the actress who played Renee Rose Byrne. Mm -hmm. Um, she I, she really pulled me into her horror, and um, I could really like feel her anxiety and that questioning herself of like, am I going crazy? not to mention the exhaustion and the stress of having a child that has this weird unexplained illness. It's just gotta be terrible as a parent myself. Uh, I think that that experiencing her horror at something terrible happening to her son is something that you can relate to as a parent. It was just, yeah, I, I was just pulled in um, and I felt, felt her fear. Um, so I thought, I thought she did a great job. Um, I liked uh, the dynamic between her and Josh. I felt like that was a couple who really loved and cared each other, cared about each other. Yeah. He kept abandoning her. <laughs> like I'm going to work. You stay home with the ghost. Like that part. Yeah. That, that, I mean, kind of drove me crazy. Once he finally got out of his head out of his ass though, you know, admitted that there was some real stuff going down. Like, they continue to like bond together, I think, over everything that's going on instead of tear each other apart, which mm -hmm. can sometimes happen as well. Which I think we see all too often in horror movies. Yes, mm -hmm. that's true. 
That's very where the relationship gets destroyed because one person's a believer, the other one's not, or bad things are happening and one of them's not willing to step up. Yep. Yep. For sure. I love that they, that he was willing, you know, once he figured it out that this is something's going on for real, that they got out of the house. <laughs> I mean, like, you just don't see that. So, um, yeah, I love that they got out of the house. And I thought that Patrick Wilson, I had to go look at the name. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Um, like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that he, he play, he walked that line so well of like, is, is he crazy? Is he, you know, like what, what is happening here? He really, we didn't know. I think he walked the line very well. Like we knew obviously something was going on, but we didn't know what. So yeah, I thought he did a terrific job with that. Um, a couple of other people that I want to talk about are Specs and Tucker. Because yes. I love them. Um, I just, I did not expect them to be in all four movies. Maybe the reason I love them so much is because they remind me of the ghost facers from Supernatural. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> you are spot on. Yeah, like they, I just, every time I saw them, I, in fact, I call them the Ghostbusters. I had to, I had to look up their names, Bex and Tucker, because I couldn't remember. I just, you know, always call them the Ghostfacers. You know, much like the Supernatural Ghostfacers, they survived. They were the longest living characters in this universe. <laughs> Which is so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're comedy, you know, they, they gave it a little bit of comedy relief, and they had just a neat dynamic. So mm -hmm. I, I just had to give a little call out to them because they really, I think, added some fun flavor to, to the movie. And then Elise. I, how rare is it for four movie and I guess maybe five mm -hmm. uh, movie franchise is based on a middle aged woman? Like it's yeah. just, it's unheard of. So I just think it's so cool. Um, and she, the, that character is amazing. I love the way that she, that the actress plays her with this nuance of, yes, she's terrified, but she's also incredibly brave. And yes, she's profoundly vulnerable, but at the same time, she's powerful and she kicks butt and she pushes through her fear and her vulnerability to, to help others. And it's, I just love that this horror series of all things <laughs> gives us this really cool, complex middle-aged woman uh, for us to follow and root for and care about. So yeah, just kudos for that. I do have to say, I don't think the fourth, if we're, I don't know if we're talking about all four, but I you know, for I don't think the fourth film did her story as much justice because I felt like it left a lot of weird dangling question marks out there. You know, we never truly get an understanding. I mean, we know that there's all these different demons out there that are just, but we don't, we never really get to like, what, what do they want? I mean, they're hurting people and torturing people. Is it just, is it just fun? Mm -hmm. Is it just, do they get power? Do they gain something from it? We never really find out why. I think that's kind of a huge dangling thread, I guess, yeah. if you will. Um, the whole thing with her husband, like, I think that's kind of, maybe we'll see in the fifth movie. Um, and the, and I want to know why she had to put on the gas mask thing. Like, that's a yeah. weird, 
a weird dangling thread that we didn't get an answer to either. So there's, there's a bunch of those. And they, so I thought that the fourth movie was going to be the end, in which case it kind of left me a little perplexed and somewhat unsatisfied. But um, if there's going to be more, great, because I, I think that this, this series does a good job of building a whole, like a holistic, like a whole story, a whole universe. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the fifth one is supposed to go more back towards the beginning in a way, like it's supposed to kind of circle around back towards the, this first one. Well, I hope here. Lynn Shane, the actress who plays she her, is. is aging backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Well, they could do those effects now, but. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, she's in it, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. she was great. I loved it. She's she's like a horror queen kind of thing. She's like one of those horror goddesses that everybody just just loves. But she is. Oh, she, I didn't realize she was in a bunch of other things. But. Yeah, well, and the first thing you see her in actually is in Nightmare on Elm Street. She's famously oh. in the very first Nightmare on Elm Street, and she because she's actually uh, Bob Shea who works for New Line. She's actually his. I can't remember. It's she's his sister or used to be married to him, one of those, and that's how she got into it was he was kind of like okay i just want you to do this one little bit part in nightmare on elm street and then yeah so that's kind of where she well cool that's a neat thing to know yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. and melissa i i know you like one performance in here (laughs) who would that be the ghost boy right (laughs) yeah the ghost definitely definitely um (laughs) red face and that's it (laughs) yeah that's it (laughs) moving on (laughs) no i actually believe it or not have Obviously, Patrick Wilson, like, we know he's a great actor, and he's going to give a good performance. Um, I actually have, like, maybe an unpopular opinion about Elise, because I felt like it, like her performance got a little cheesy at times, or, like, a little over the top. I know, like, it's a horror movie, and, like, sometimes they can get a little over the top, but I just felt like in the situations they were in, like, she could get a little overly dramatic i guess i could see in, that in yeah. the performance yeah i um, could totally see that i was just watching it a little bit before before we hopped on here just because i was like eating dinner i was like i just watch <laughs> it but um yeah i was just noticing it could it get a little it, it was a little i don't know like just rain, rain it back a, a smidgen and like you'll be good but i think overall like she did a great job i think um i do like the point that you made that it's like you know this whole universe is centered around her story and, and she's not like a like it's blonde blue-eyed teenager or and like it's like mm-hmm. that's his first story and she's you know older and you don't really find that a lot in you know movies that have the whole series of movies that like they create a whole story based on one person but it's usually not like it's usually not a middle-aged person or somebody you know who's not like a teenager i don't know like there's mm-hmm. <laughs> there's usually you know a specific type of person and um so i do like that you know how you brought that up i do agree that that's like a really awesome thing i forgot the wife's name i forgot her her name in real life roseburn Roseburn, yeah, she's a really good actor. I think I've seen her in other things. I can't remember what those other things are at the moment, but I know I've seen her in other things. She's just one of those people that I'm like, oh, I've seen her before, and then I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, well, obviously it was that, but um, but I think she was a really good actress. I think she did a really 
great job. I really think also she, I know it's like Dalton is like the main character, but I feel like she's really the main character. I agree. I mean, the main character slept through the whole movie, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> pretty much. I'm, I'm going to say it was her. And it was, it was her. stellar. <laughs> you should look, look the actor up and see what he looks like now. <laughs> Sorry, that's an aside. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay um no but not not main character but like the movie is supposed to be about this little boy but i really think like it's really about her story because she's the one who's like in the middle of it and it's you know it's like that typical horror movie where it's just, you know like i said earlier like one one spouse believes one doesn't and it's like, and so one that they're left with a burden and, you know, she has other kids and, you know, she's trying to like have her career and, you know, here her husband goes just like seeing all night at school, like grading papers, like, but I was just like, come on, come on, Patrick Wilson, wake up school. Like, I know his name is not obviously Patrick Wilson in the movie, but I'm talking directly to Patrick Wilson in this moment. Shake your character up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get it together. But yeah, I really I really enjoy the performances for the most part. And yeah, I don't I do agree that the two um ghost hunter people they 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 really do parallel the they ghost of supernatural. They really do. But yeah, no, I thought it was like a really well performed movie all like all around. Um there was just some parts where I thought could, mm-hmm. could you know, didn't need to be so that dramatic. Like I th- I think it could have been reined in a little bit, but I think overall, you know, it was really great. I loved it. So we'll get back to Sasha. Sasha had to step away for a second. <laughs> yeah, I think all the performances are great. I think I think Rose Byrne is a very, very underrated actress, honestly. She's so, so good. We talked about her earlier this year when we talked about Bridesmaids, which she's fantastic in. Uh, she adds a lot of layers to that. See the movie Juliet Naked. She is so good in that with another horror favorite, a new horror favorite, Ethan Hawke, who also, I think Ethan Hawke and Patrick Wilson are like these two actors that play like the everyday man, quote unquote, and they do it really well and they add a lot more to it. And they're such great additions to the horror community. Uh, but go watch that movie too. So I think she plays this, you know, I, I think she's understated in a lot of the things she does in this movie because she'll do like these little expressions on her face and she's terrified, but she's not like over the top terrified, like ever, ever. She's very realistic. I feel for her through this whole thing because she's doing so much of this by herself and you know her husband keeps withdrawing and then of course you learn why and i think you know i think in true to life i don't have kids so i can't speak completely to that but i think true to life sometimes you will hear like mothers say my husband's gonna watch the kids today or my husband's gonna instead of like they're his kids he's not a babysitter (laughs) but but you hear that a lot where it's like it's the mom is the main parent and the main main caregiver and then the father will step in kind of thing and i think that's the case in a lot of respects and so you see that here and that's the thing about horror i want to say is as a woman i do think horror too often gets criticized unfairly honestly 
for the way it treats women. When I think horror actually tends to give women a lot more powerful characters to play than other genres do. Um, and I think that's the case in this. And with Lynn Shay, you know, we when we interviewed Brink Stevens, Scream Queen Brink Stevens from um, Slumber Party Massacre, and she's done a bunch of stuff and sweetest, most dearest woman in the world. I was so felt so honored to speak to her. And she said, you know, when an actress in Hollywood gets 35, gets to 35, they're done. That's it. They're done. No more roles written, written for them. Men, it's totally different. She said, I mean, you'll see Cameron Diaz disappeared. This person disappeared. And so it's very rare that anyone over that age gets any roles. But she said, you know, I haven't had any work done. Nothing. I aged gracefully. And I still get work constantly because I work in horror. And she mm. said, that's the thing about horror is you can always find a part no matter what your age is. And that's the blessing of horror, I think, honestly. And she said that's why she loves the genre so much because she still gets parts. She's working constantly. So that is really what's so beautiful about the genre. And then you get to see it reflected in this with a movie that's big budget, makes a lot of money. And you've got a woman who is beyond the 35 age range, way beyond that. And she's getting this really meaty, juicy part that continues on and carries a franchise. Because when you meet her in this, you don't think that's going to happen, especially with the end. <laughs> you think that's it. That's done. She's dead. No more her. So that that is pretty cool. And she's just amazing anyway. I can see sort of what you're saying with the over the top thing. I think though, because this role could be compared to, um, people could compare it to um, Zelda Rubenstein in Poltergeist. People could easily compare those two. But I think she is a little bit more leveled off than that one is. And she just seems kind of like, okay, I've been doing this forever. That's the way it kind of comes across. Mm -hmm. And she's this calming presence, even though she's going and doing this very scary thing. And the way her and Patrick Wilson play that final scene together is so good so good it's like because she knows instantly he's changed and he's no longer himself and he's that woman and she's kind of just like how am i gonna play this i was kind of like don't take his picture do not take his picture try and do it more subtly do not take his picture <laughs> uh but exactly. i that, that was done so well and then i think with patrick wilson I think Patrick Wilson is also underrated, honestly. And I think the reason Patrick Wilson is underrated is the same reason Robes Byrne is underrated because he's subtle. He's very subtle. He's very natural. He's just kind of, he's the character instantly. And he doesn't do a lot of over the top stuff. And so I think sometimes people think that's not good acting, but it's the exact opposite. So that's why he's so good because he's so natural and I think he gets overlooked a lot, unfortunately. He's done some great work, like in the movie Little Children, the very disturbing movie Hard Candy. But he's done a lot of wonderful performances, of course, The Conjuring. And we did, I just want to say, we did a poll. And I asked, which Patrick Wilson character you preferred? And I'm sure everybody <laughs> is not surprised to learn that Ed Warren was the character people preferred. It doesn't surprise me. In fact, I think... The only time that Josh got any votes was when I 
retweeted and said, hey, if there's anybody who's a fan of him and Insidious, you better come and vote. And so that's the one time he got, he got like one or two votes and then a couple more votes for Ed Warren. So it doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so let's move on to the demons, the spirits. There's all sorts of different things in this first one. And they're kind of portrayed in, I think, different ways than you normally would see. So, Judy, did you like the way they did spirits and demons and stuff in this movie? I mentioned before that... I wish we understood a little bit more about what's what's driving these demons to do what they're doing. Because, you know, they're just torturing people to torture people or for fun or, like I said, do they get power from it? Like, we don't we don't really know. Um, so I, I would I like to me, the best bad guys are the ones where you get to understand their motivation. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I it kind of falls under this category that I definitely felt we needed to talk about is um, the way that the the film uses the trope of the man who cross-dresses as evil and a killer. It's a supremely false narrative and it's just used, it's been used enough that it has installed this belief and this fear in you know, the public of um, either trans women or men who choose to dress in non-traditional ways and this propagated violence against that population. So, I mean, that's like the one thing that, you know, does bother me um, that, you know, because he, because his mother and spoilers, <laughs> uh, one, one of the bad guys, um, one of the, the ghost things, monsters, whatever, um, because his mother made him dress as a girl when he was little, then went on to become one of the most prolific serial killers ever. So, I mean, that kind of obviously is not something that feels like it was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I love the, uh, the uncharacteristic or the, the, we talked about this a little bit too, but the way that it's not a haunted house and it's not just one thing. Um, and you, you know, when they move out of the house, which is like such a cool thing, we're like, Oh gosh. And they move to this totally modern house mm-hmm. that doesn't feel haunted E at all. And so when creepy things keep happening, um, that's such a, that's such a cool twist. And I think one of my favorite twists of, of the movie. And then just to you know, briefly talk a little bit about, the sequels, um, because I just wanted to mention, like in the third movie, the the main victim is this is this girl who has two broken legs and a neck injury and and I think some sort of middle body injury too because she was bleeding there, but we don't get a, the, all the details. But she's in she's in rough shape; she can barely move, and this demon is torturing her, and we just the the sheer terror um of being 
haunted and hunted um, by something when you're in a position that you can't move, you can't run, you can't defend yourself, you can't do anything. Her sense of claustrophobia isn't the right word, but her sense of just like not being able mm -hmm. to do anything to protect yourself is and dread. It's just so visceral that I thought that that was such a clever way to build terror. Yeah, uh, I thought the demons are were cool. The the evil things were cool. I just I just we knew, wish we knew because there's several different demons, yeah. and we don't really you know. There's the red face one. There's the key one. There's the the breathing guy. Whatever you know. There's a bunch of different demons, but we don't really know what why what they're yeah exactly. I would I would have I would love to know why. <laughs> um, and I actually heard somewhere that. You know, the, the, I feel that they built a really neat, cohesive universe. Um, but I read somewhere that they, um, that they were totally winging it. <laughs> in movies two, three, and four, they were like, we were making it up as we go. We were lucky we found ways to connect them, you know. <laughs> but they somehow did a good job. So I'm hoping, I guess, in this last movie that we get some, some of that resolution of, of what was the point yeah. of the demons. So, Melissa, what are your thoughts about? I do agree about the little boy dressed it has to their mother or their parents like made him dress as a little girl. I feel like that's sort of I feel like I've seen it in other horror movies, so I feel like it's sort of cliche and it's just like this is how we build in this character. And I think it's just like an easy way now to like insert a reason. And I do wish they would have come up with a different way to explain that particular character's journey. But like I said, I think it's just sort of, it's instilled sort of in the horror genre that like, they just, it's just easy to grab at when they need a reason why. But I do agree that it should not have been used because I feel like it does create this narrative of like these people are dangerous. They're going to become serial killers. They're going to hurt you. You know, it's like, I don't I said these people. I don't, <laughs> that seems like so rude to say, but like, that's just, I'm just saying like, that's, that's what they're the, thinking is, is. Yes. That's what yeah. they're thinking mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And I do, I do like the, the way they portrayed like the visual looks of the demons or the bad spirits because it's, it wasn't like horns and hooves and like, you know, big hairy goat men or whatever. Like it was like exactly. So like it kind of gives like, you know, it can manifest in different ways. And I, I do, I'm the type of person that wants to know why, like, I want a resolution, like, even in, like, true crime or whatever, I'm like, but why? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. there has to be a reason why. And, like, if they don't know, I'm like, well, I don't feel satisfied. Like, like they couldn't just have happened for no reason. But I think that sometimes there are situations in life, like, that you just don't know why. You're never going to know why, it, like, things just happen. And you have to deal with them as they come. And I feel like that is sort of the the message I got with that. Because even through all the other movies, you're not getting all the answers. 
and you're even getting more questions. <laughs> um, so I feel like, but I feel like that's a realistic way of dealing with it. And as much as I hate it because I want to know the reason why, like there has to be a reason, like they're, they're getting power from it or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, there's gotta be like a, like a, you know, a starting point, but I don't think it necessarily is necessary to know that for the story. I think, I think the, the plot kind of plays out really well without having to know that. There are little things like you mentioned before about the gas mask, which I didn't understand at all because there's no explanation for that. Like there, I was like, there has to be a reason why you have to wear this thing. Like, is it easier for them to contact you? Like, like you can't just like be here and like just be like, it's just creepy. Out. It's just creepy. It, it's really creepy. <laughs> I feel like there is a reason. It amps for up it. the creep factor. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, obviously there is a reason for it because it seems like they've done it before. So there's definitely like some reasoning behind it, but. I was like, well, why can't you tell us what the reason is? We want to know. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think part of it is also just you're just not going to get all the answers of everything that you want. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean the story or the plot is not successful. Yeah. And Sasha. So I just want to throw out, I have not seen any of the sequels. <laughs> I'm sure you're all shocked that I've not seen any of the sequels based on how much I love the first one. Like shocked. Right. Like, why would I not watch all of them? I do want to throw out for the gas mask thing though. It's sensory deprivation. So if you block out other things, Uh it heightens other things. So that's going to be my reason for that. Well, that makes sense. I'm just going to throw that. that. I'm just going to throw that out there. I will accept that reason. (laughs) Perfect. Um, I, so my note that I made for like how I felt about the ghosty, evil, demony, whatever things are in the house. Um, first of all, that the woman in black, the witchy, whatever she is, is creepy as all get out. The shadow of the boy that is running around in the opening mm-hmm. when she's like taking out the trash and everything, all of that creepy as all get out. My question is in all of these movies, all the hot movies, all of this, all the conjuring, like this entire universe. Why are all of our ghosts in like old timey period clothes? Where are my 80s ghosts? Where are my big hair ghosts? Where Amen. like other people <laughs> very die? True. They haven't been dead long enough <laughs> yeah. to manifest into a ghost, maybe. There you but go. But you can <laughs> that is not true because Supernatural taught us that in Ghost Facers when Corbett died and he was immediately a death echo. So death like echo. that's true. You can have people like why is everything? But supernatural also time. says the longer you're dead, the more you become like angry and bitter. It all goes back to supernatural. I mean, <laughs> I just want to know where my big hair, like where are my punk rock ghosts? Where are right. my '80s ghosts? Like there are other dead people, yeah. you know, sixties beehive. Yeah, yes, a nice ghosts. '40s skirt. Where are flappers? Like. There are other. I've seen flappers. I've seen some scary flapper. That's true. Yeah. I just I want to know where the other ghosts are. Is what I really want to know. Like you're all worried about demonic motivation, and I want to know where the more current, updated ghost population is. (laughs) Yeah. 
Ghost that's, fashion. No, yeah. that's a good. When I was at yeah. when I was at uh, Colorado Festival of Horror, the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Society, the guy spoke and he said, and of course, like usual, you know, all ghosts are required when they die that they're going to wear these old timey uniforms. Victorian. Yes. <laughs> Is it contractual? Like when you die and they say, would you like to come back as a ghost or would you like to move on? And you go, you know, I want to haunt somebody's ass. They go, okay, but you have to wear this. And you go, mm, I'm going to pass. Or you go, yeah, that's my jam. Yeah, like, I love how you're stuck in whatever you die in forever. Yeah, that would suck so, depending on what you're you know, <laughs> Wear clean underwear if you're going to die. That's another reason they say you should have clean underwear. On. Exactly. You don't want to. You don't want to be wearing those for eternity. I think it's just. I think it's just like a misconception that it has to be like this old, you know, old spirit to be scary. Mm -hmm. I think it. I also. I think it goes back to just like it, that's just a standard, yeah. and you know, like it's been going on for so long. It's just waiting for someone to break that mold because I think. It does have, I think people have this misconception of, like, it has to be, like, an old house to be haunted. It has to be, like, a hundred-year-old house to be haunted. But that's not really true. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if that is, if you believe in that kind of thing. But, I mean, like, there is this concept, this, like, you know, thought, like, it has to be old to be scary. But I, so I think it's just a matter of waiting for that, you know, that story or that script to, like, come along that breaks that mold and then it will carry on i think it's just been something that's just been going on for so long in the horror genre that it's just like that's just what keeps it going so i really just think it needs the right story to well, really i'm gonna need somebody to write that story damn it because i want to <laughs> see the hippie ghost paired up with the like late seventies, early eighties, punk rock mohawk ghost. Well, that would be awesome. That's what I, I want to see. So somebody get on it and write that for me. Or it might be out there, and we're just not watching it. If it's out there, somebody tell me that it's out there. Like so, I don't need it to be scary. It can be comedy. I'm I'm down because we so all know I'm broken anyway. A good um a good answer for the the face thing. So how about this? A good answer for the house thing or for the old ghosts maybe because. In older houses, you've got a lot more, a lot higher chance of somebody may have died there because people used to die at home all the time. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, usually you're in hospice or a hospital or something. So, yeah, so we'll go with so that. that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but in hospitals and hospitals, and if I saw age. a ghost with big '80s hair and and cuffs on her wrists and you know, boy toy belt. I might not take it quite as seriously. <laughs> but it would be a great story. It would. It would. I, I think we need to write that. Okay, yeah. get on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of the ghosts in American Horror Story, the ghosts in that are... In, in 1984, American Horror Story 1984. Go watch that, Sasha. I mean, it's slash, but like, it incorporates ghosts. Yeah, I think I'm one episode, two episodes into that. And then it got put on hold for other stuff. So I'll now I know, eighties ghosts. I'm going. It's and done. Yeah, bye, Sasha. <laughs> Seen ya. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the way. What I appreciate about the way that, how they did ghosts and demons in this is they weren't like ethereal beings. Like it wasn't like you saw them and they were like beings you could like put your hand through. You know that kind of thing. Or 
they weren't floating and I, I don't know, they, they seemed more real and more physical and more like things you could touch and grab and could grab you, which made them scarier. And when they go into the further, it, they're terrifying because those moments when they'll be like frozen and they'll have like the weird smile on their yes. face or just the weird look on their face. Like when, uh, like that living room scene, when Ooh, she's holding like the gun and everything <sighs> like that. And it's just this like, look of like, I'm crazy. You know, it's like a little weird, awkward smile. I loved that. I thought that was really, really well done because I think too often the other thing that happens with ghosts is they're kind of like so ethereal and not um, like they're kind of like not completely there and they don't look human all the time. They sometimes, I mean, yes, the red demon does not look human, but a lot of these characters look human. They just have their makeup is very exaggerated, but they still look human. And I think too often in some of these, the ghosts don't look human anymore. And that always kind of blows my mind because I'm like, why don't they look human? And as someone who has seen a couple of spirits, they look human. <laughs> they don't look like, you know, they look like us. <laughs> they don't look like, you know, weird things that don't resemble human beings anymore. So just saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought that the demon looked like it could have been human at one point. Yeah. And it just evolved into that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay. Well, I think, you know, like I've said, horror is always trying to say something beneath everything. I think 99% of horror is trying to do that. I know there are ones that aren't necessarily, but this one I think is too. And I think the main thing this film is talking about is trauma and how we deal with trauma and how we handle PTSD. Because Josh, played by Patrick Wilson, is dealing with PTSD that he doesn't even realize he has really. It was kind of just, it was not, what what's the word I'm looking for, but how they kind of got the traumatic experience he had because he used to do the astral projection. And so he has this thing that you see throughout that he doesn't like his picture taken, but you don't know why until you find out that he was experiencing the same thing that his son Dalton was. And Lynn Shay's character had also helped his mom out with that, uh, played by Barbara Hershey, which we didn't mention her before. But And so she actually knew him beforehand and all this stuff. So he's the one who's chosen to go save his son. So the guy that had been kind of like in the distant, in the background, when all this stuff starts happening, which you find out the reason he kept going in the background, he didn't even know this. The reason he kept pulling away was because it was triggering that past trauma that he had where that creepy old lady was always there. So I want to talk about that, about how this movie handles trauma and PTSD. And do you think they did a good job with that? There is certainly the obvious metaphor um, that, you know, if you bury your trauma and ignore it, like, I mean, he didn't even really know he was burying his, but, you know, it's a metaphor that it can definitely come back to haunt you. <laughs> um, later, <laughs> uh, it'll come back as demons. <laughs> but, you know, that's all kind of like represented by Josh, you know, wiping his memory. And then it, he had to, he had to embrace or at least deal with his past in order to move forward and save his son and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I definitely feel like that, that, that there's that metaphor there um, of bearing your trauma rather than dealing with it. It kind of opens you up to demons and, 
you know, it, even if those demons are things like, you know, drugs and alcohol or, you know what I mean? The, the, those things that we use, use the word demon for. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I feel like if, if we're talking in, in terms of this movie being a metaphor, then those demons maybe could be a metaphor for not dealing with your past trauma. Yeah. And then they become literal demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Melissa. I sort of, um, think it, it was, he had to deal with his trauma, like within like five seconds. So like mm-hmm. there, he, he had to make the decision to be like, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to go through this like for my son because, and he sort of taking back that control because I, because I feel like when he was a kid, like that was, it wasn't his choice to wipe his memory. It was like, it was taken away from him. So he had no idea that like, this is, these are the reasons why, because that, that choice was made for him. And I feel like him making the decision to like help his son and go into the further and like go find him. Like that was his way of like, I'm taking control back. Like this is, you mm-hmm. know, this is for me. And like, this is my decision. I'm going to do this for my son and, and for myself. And it's sort of, I think that could also be a metaphor also for dealing with trauma. Like you, like, because a lot of people, I think that is a situation where like decisions are made for you, and you don't have that control. And it's it's about you finding ways to get control back and make say like I'm gonna get through this for myself, and because I'm I'm taking control back for my myself and my body and you know my life. So I think that it it is very much a metaphor for real life things. I don't know if that was really the intention, but it definitely can be attributed to other real life situations that, mm-hmm. you know, if you really like deep dive into it. I'm Like I said, I'm not sure if that was really the intention with this story, but to me, that's where I, that's what I got from it is like, he was taking control back and he was making his choices for himself and because he could at that moment, he, he knew what he knew what he had to do and you know, that he was going to make that decision. And like, this is how they were going to move on from the situation. And I think that's like a very powerful message to me mm-hmm. because I mean, there are even, even in small situations in your life where like, decisions are made for you like you know there are little things like that pile up and you're like well I just need something to do for myself I need to take control of something for myself so I think I think it did a really good job of like portraying that message without being super glaringly obvious that this is what this is a metaphor for yeah well said Sasha so I'm gonna take a totally different glance at it just Again, because of the psychology component. I was hoping of it. you would be taking a psychology. I, know, I, I actually was. I was like wondering. <laughs> yeah. So it's always so interesting. <laughs> if if I look at this movie as a horror movie, I don't. It's not. But if I look at this movie as a representation of mental health and mental illness, it is. So for Josh, right, he has all of this repressed trauma, which has now he's basically passed on to his son. 
So it's now inherited trauma because he learned it from his dad, whether he wanted to or not. So you have the cycle. It's not a cycle of violence, but it's a cycle of mental health and mental illness and all of that. So he's passed it on to his son, right? Now you have all of the literal demons coming out of the woodwork because you can only stuff and shove for so long before those demons go, knock, knock, knock. We're ready to play. And if you're ready or not, they're coming. So for me, it's very much that. There's also the whole concept of the astral projection and stuff like that for the kid and for him when he was younger are they're very dissociative events. And so it's like uh, depersonalization. You know, have you ever sat on, you know, those of us who are Gen X, we sit on our legs. I know other people do this. I don't know why we do it, but we'll <laughs> sit. I'm sitting on one right now, right? At a yeah. certain point, your foot falls asleep yeah. and you move your foot and you're like, is it mine? Is it attached to me still? Like, what is happening? Or like when your arm does it, you know, you sit in certain positions and you just, it doesn't feel like it's your body. So these astral projection moments are very, they're dissociative events and they're depersonalized. They're no longer who they are. And then the biggest component of it is that in mental health, there is Believe it or not, because it's a split thing, dissociative identity disorder, people are going to, there's a big divide on it. But people who have dissociative identity disorder, 80% of them have some PTSD in their history. So if Josh has this PTSD, there's an argument that he could be DID with the woman who ultimately possesses him or, you know, Basically, he's left his body and somebody else is driving, which is the whole thing of dissociative identity disorder. Another personality steps up and is now driving the vessel. Like you can't get any more mm -hmm. mental health than that, like right there. It's so you want to call it possession. You can call it possession. Other people would call it dissociative identity, you know, so there's that kind of mental health component to it, but it is straight up. The demons are, you haven't dealt with whatever you need to deal with. Deal with your shit. People, see a therapist. Deal with your shit. We need it fully covered. Therapy should be fucking free. Everybody should see one. Deal with your shit. Otherwise, your demons are going to come out to play whether you're ready or not. Yes. I will add, though, um, I do want to add on a personal note. Do not let people force you into therapy. Do not let people no, pressure no. you to go to a therapist. I have PTSD from several different experiences, and one of them is with a therapist. So I just want to throw that in there because I do think when you do that, it it makes people run the other direction. So I'm just throwing that in there because I do appreciate what you're saying. No, I just want to and throw that, that is in there. that is 100 fair. If it is not by your choice, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So. If you are dealing with any of your own personal demons and you want to seek out care, I highly encourage you to seek out care. There's loads of options out there now. Um, there's lots of avenues that you can go. If somebody else is bullying you and pressuring you and saying, oh, you're not dealing with your demons, turn around and tell them maybe they should go deal with theirs. Yeah. So don't let anybody bully you or trick you into it. I agree, Erin. That's not cool. But I'm still a big proponent that everybody at want, some point or another in their life should see a therapist, even if it's just to go, bleh, get it all out and then move on and never see them again. 
Yeah, no, I do agree. I just wanted to put that out there because I yeah. do, you know, I do think sometimes people feel that they <laughs> know best when it comes to someone's mental health and you don't always know best. So just to, but, but thank you for that perspective on it. Cause I was wondering what you were going to say about the psychology of it. Um, and I'll just speak as someone who has PTSD and has PTSD from quite a few traumas, uh, which is just fun, fun, fun. But it is true if you don't deal with that PTSD, the way I think a lot of it manifests for me is I, since I was a little kid, I have had nightmares I, I all the time. I very rarely sleep well. It's a very rare, rare event. I think it's happened maybe a couple, handful of times in my life that I've had perfect dreams that didn't feel awful the whole entire time I was dreaming. That's the way I dream. It's like, even if the most mundane thing is happening in the dream, there's like this feeling of dread the whole time. I suffer from insomnia, which probably has a lot to do with the fact that I just don't sleep well. I'm a light sleeper. So like anything wakes me up. <laughs> I like wake up, like, you know, a pin can drop and I can wake up. And I think a lot of that is, is trauma based. I really do. I think it's based on a lot of traumas that have happened to me. And so I think with this, what's so interesting about this movie for me and the way it handles it is the fact that somebody took that option away from him, which no one should ever take that away from you. Even though he was a kid, and I understand the mom was scared, I understand where she was coming from, totally. But that choice was taken from him. So he didn't even have a choice to try and deal with his trauma. It was like, no, you're not going to deal with it. We're going to stuff it down and stuff it down. And then as you're an adult, without even really completely realizing it, you're passing it along to people. You're not realizing why you have that in you, which yes, granted, he could have maybe sought out help for it. But at the same time, I think it was so pressed, it would have been pressed down for so long that he didn't even know it was there. And I think that happens a lot, sadly. I think people, I think that's a good reflection of how society is, excuse me, with trauma and with depression and any mental health issues is people just say, just smile and it'll go away. Just take a vitamin and you'll have be you okay. Have you tried yoga? Oh yoga my God. will help you. The amount of times I've heard people tell me, have you tried yoga? Have you just done deep breathing? How about it? Taking a walk in the woods. Yes. Have you gotten out there and just breathed? Why don't you just take a moment to meditate? Why don't, and I'm not saying that there aren't good benefits of this. I've taken DBT a handful of times. Look into DBT. I think DBT is a very, very helpful mm -hmm. thing if you want to do it, but I think it's very helpful. And one of the big things in DBT is mindfulness. Mindfulness is something I yeah. struggle with all the time. I can't, my mind is constantly going. So to sit there and try and be quiet and try to meditate is a struggle. It's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. Yeah. But, but I think when you tell people how they should deal with this, instead of actually dealing with it, <laughs> You know, it's kind of, it's like putting weird band-aids on there to kind of ignore it because people don't like to look at mental health. They still don't. Mm -hmm. And the reason people don't like to look at mental health, in my opinion, is because every single person out there could have a mental health crisis. And people do not want to look at that fact. But the, it, you would rather look at it being that scary neighbor next door instead of you or instead of someone you love. So it's easier to do that. Plus, mental illnesses and stuff like that aren't quote unquote visible to most people. Like you can be like, oh, I don't see it like I do other stuff. 
And so I, I, I like the way personally this film handles it, except for the fact that he has to immediately deal with his trauma. Doesn't get any time to really, which makes sense. I mean, it does. But I think when he's going into the further, I think that to me is his trauma. So he's just delving into his trauma head first. And well, he's in crisis he mode. Yes, yes. So there is no time. It's yes. if he was going to take time to deal with it, then he's going to lose his son. So it's like trial by fire, which mm. for some traumas, some people just have to go and just like full immersion in order mm -hmm. to deal with it with no like no process time. We're just head on. Either you're going to make it or you're not. And that's how some people deal. So but yeah. again, it's almost like he didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. Well, he did go in or lose my kid. Yeah. 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 Which no, I mean it makes sense that it did it. It's just it's just sad to me that he doesn't get an opportunity to actually deal with his trauma and come face to face with it and deal with what was done to him as a mm -hmm. result of the trauma too. What his what his mother and the person he trusted so dearly yeah. did to him as a result. And once again, like I said, I can totally understand where the mom was coming from at that time. Not not, not really saying she's a bad mother. I'm just saying it's really sad because that was so much of his choice and freedom was taken away from him. So I just think I just think it's interesting. And I think Patrick Wilson does a really good job with that and a good job at portraying that and playing that. And I thought that was really, really well done. So I just wanted to make sure to touch on that because I think that is the biggest running theme through this. And I always look, like to look with horror at the other things that, that it's trying to um, investigate and to delve into and to explore because that's why I love horror. Well, you know, you talk about that mental health is invisible. And when you compare that to horror, the things in horror that are the scariest to, to us, to everybody, are the things that you can't see. As mm -hmm. soon as you, you know, in all these movies, the, the buildup where you can't see the bad guy is the scariest part. Once you see the monster's face, okay, then they're running, whatever. But not being able to see things and, and really make them tangible is scary. And so you can parallel that to mental illness. I think people are much more afraid of mental illness than they are of, you know, yeah. a, a disease that you can see the, the physical ailment of somebody. So that's another kind of parallel that you can draw to mental illness and horror genre. Yeah, very, very true. Very good point there. Yeah. And I know uh, Judy and Melissa have already kind of touched on the sequels. I know Sasha hasn't seen them, but I wanted to know if there's anything else you wanted to mention about those, Judy, before. We wrap up. So Sasha's face right now is funny. <laughs> <laughs> but Sasha, I think um, some of the movies actually go into Elise's youth and her trauma. Her, um, and, and so it actually kind of, you actually may like it from this, a psychological perspective. If you this want. feels like a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. I don't think you have to go watch them. I'm saying that there is some some interest if you wanted to watch them from a, you know, psychological right. perspective. As you the first one. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the sequel. I mean, obviously the sequels weren't as good as the first one that, you know, hardly ever are. But I do feel like it they built a pretty cool um cohesive one big story where a lot of horror movies the sequels are same monster just chasing after different people or whatever just in a different uh you know, 10 years later or, or five years later or whatever but 
this one, I don't know. I just, I like the way they built this uh, world. I, I thought it was a really cool world building. And all, all four movies are, are woven together. Um, and again, they were winging it and <laughs> making up a statement along, but I think they end up doing a pretty good job. Sometimes, sometimes stories write themselves that way. And they, they build like one big picture of Elise's life and her life's work and her overcoming her childhood trauma because she had some horrible horrible childhood trauma to overcome so erin i know you said you haven't watched the fourth one yet but that one gives you a lot of insight into where her trauma came from and how her gift kind of started out again it ends with a whole lot of dangling threads and, and a lot of questions but it does answer some other ones it it helps it you we find out like why the red faced demon got the attention uh, or got why dalton got his attention in the first place you know like what their connection was so it does tie things together um and i like that so yeah i i i liked the whole world again not every movie was as good as the first one or even the second i think but um you know, the ghost facers were in all four, <laughs> which is good. Uh, uh, four movies about this kind of kick-ass um, woman uh, character, which I loved. So I enjoyed them. And now I will look forward to the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> which may wrap everything up. I don't know. It Let's may. I hope. I've got some questions. So, yeah. <laughs> and Melissa. And I hope they have a 1980s ghost. <laughs> a punk ghost. Yes, a punk ghost, or you know, like I said, one with big hair, leg warmers. Like warmers. I really want to see like yes. a mohawk ghost. That would be cool. Yeah. Yes. I just want a mohawk. I'm telling you, finish 1984. Uh, the mohawk thing, not, but just finish 1984. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. <laughs> She's leaving now. Bye. Oh no. <laughs> she was going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> And she's off. <laughs> so, Melissa? Um, I do. I really, I like the fact that, you know, they, I don't know. I feel like they couldn't have winged it as much as they said that they did because there had to be some planning involved in it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have felt as cohesive as it did. The, I, I, obviously, Insidious, the first one, was, I feel like, is the best one out of all of them. I did. I don't. I feel like I didn't like the third one, but I do like the fact that uh, Specs and Tucker, those are, mm-hmm, um, yeah. that they were in all four, because I feel like in the in Insidious, you kind of get the impression that they might be like new to this, or like they're sort of like haphazard and like they don't know what they're doing. But it sort of gives you a backstory of like they've been doing this for a while with her and. So I thought that was kind of cool because it just shows like that's just like their personalities are just like they're just weird and eccentric and like they don't know what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they give off that impression, but obviously, like, you know, they have experience in this in this thing that they're doing. So I liked that because you, you got a different perspective from it because you have this impression of them from the beginning. But now you see where they came from and you get you get a better idea of it i don't really have much to add on on and i haven't seen the fourth one like judy said 
Um, I will be curious with the fifth one, though. I I, I want to watch the other three beforehand because I didn't watch them before this, to be honest, because I couldn't find them a lot of places. And I was like, okay, this is another reason we'll just maybe focus on the first one. Uh, I went out and found the DVD with all four because I had yeah, to go I know, we, we I know. Them. I was like, I've got it. I was like, I should try to. I should have tried to find that. That would have been cool. But yeah, I I do think it's a good franchise, though. I think it's a really interesting franchise. Um, I prefer the one we're going to be talking about next, but I do think it's it's really well done. Um, and once again, Lynn Shay is just, I think she's amazing. I think she's incredible. And it is great to have a woman that isn't 20 years old and, you know, doing that. So it's, it's, it's a nice change. It's a nice thing to see. So thank you for that, <laughs> these films. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up and I'll have everybody say where they can be found. Judy. All right. Um, my main fandom presence is on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over. All one word. Awesome. Thank you. And Melissa? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rob's Old Pal. Awesome. Thank you. And Sasha? You can find me on Instagram at Vegan Geek Chick. And I just want to throw out a show if people like the concept of astral projection on Netflix, watch Behind Her Eyes. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that one. I didn't watch it though. I, it was on my list and then I forgot all about it. So I'll add it again. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback show notes if you would like to be a potential interview guest patrick wilson feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com and couple notes since this is dropping wednesday tomorrow night thursday 8 p.m mountain standard time oh my gosh we are continuing our live tweet of american horror story double feature death valley blah 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 as you know if you watched our live tweets and if you watched our live streams, we're doing live streams right after at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You know that me, Jen, Susie, and Aaron hate this second half of Double Feature. It's probably the worst season of American Horror Story ever. And I'm talking worse than Freak Show. So worst you're hate watching this together? Yes. <laughs> the first it. half Red Tide was good as we all determined, and it's not just because of Finn Whitrock and his beautiful hair, but we all determined it would have been much better if Ryan Murphy had just fleshed out Red Tide, stuck with the vampire storyline, and forgot about the aliens impregnating men after he read way too much AO3 fanfic. So, I just... <laughs> I don't know what that... But I have to say, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm, a, like, very I don't have any concerned. idea what I'm talking about. I that was a wild ride. I don't know what's happening, but your description was a wild ride. (laughs) That was a lot of information to take in. Go watch our live stream from last night. It was was a mess of confusion because we have no idea what's going on in this season either. You know, it goes back and forth between time. Men are pregnant in the present day. How are they going to give birth to these children? We don't know. Maybe their penis explodes. That was one theory we came up with. (laughs) I mean, you've got ABO, right? (laughs) There's a way, and most people are very vague about it. But <laughs> I'm telling you, he went to AO3, searched oh the tags. Gosh. He's like, I'm out of ideas. What the heck am I going to write about? Oh, here we go. Male pregnancy, tentacle sex. Got it. 
I can't believe we just went from vampires, <laughs> aliens, time travel, mpreg, all in like a minute. That's <laughs> yeah, the beauty of Ryan Murphy. You missed the tentacle sex part. Oh, sorry, tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> and and Marilyn Monroe is there. Richard Nixon. Oh, JFK. Why not? JFK was just assassinated last. The Richard Nixon, <laughs> Craig Schaefer, who I have mentioned before on this podcast that I love, he played Richard Nixon. It was the worst Richard Nixon I have ever seen on screen. It was so bad. We were like, oh, my God. It, I mean, I don't know what Ryan Murphy is doing, but I keep watching it. So, you know, hey, if you find that 12-step program, listeners, tell me about it because I need help. <laughs> if it wasn't for the people he cast. and. The fact that they're entertaining sometimes, even when you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Men being pregnant. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. Our live tweets are fun. Susie, Susie is so hysterical. She's so funny. I mean, oh my gosh. It's the right. lines she comes up with are just hysterical. So even if you aren't going to watch the show, go back, look at our live tweets. I think all of us are funny, but I think she is just beyond she's so hysterical but if you if you watch us on the live stream after even if you don't watch the show we have a bingo card specifically for ryan murphy so it has some stuff like throat slashing and stuff like that on there uh because he's obsessed with that so you can play along he is and you can win one of our podcast horror buttons so feel free to tune into that and then once that's done i'm hoping it'll kind of coincide with dexter so we're probably going to be doing live tweets of dexter I will probably do live streams with reactions. I know Sasha will not be probably appearing on those, but, <laughs> but I'm sure Carla might. So we'll see. I haven't talked to Carla about this yet, but it's something that's germinating up there. But on our next episode, we are going to be wrapping up our supernatural part of our horror celebration with a discussion about the Conjuring series. So that should be a lot of fun. Melissa and Sasha are returning for that one. And then Susie will be back on that one as well. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. <laughs>